watch Level With Me, a monumental sports network original series, and get up close and personal with the Washington Wizards. Don't miss Bradley Beal and Phil Chenier in the newest episode. Start your free trial at GetMonumental.com. Off the Bench is up next. What's up, WizKids? Jamoke Davis here with Chris Gehring, Zach Rosen, and Jeremy Hyman for a off-the-bench, after-dark episode, so to speak. Love it. Love we it. were trying to decide what we were going to do if we were going to record this on the day after the home opener, but we decided to just go ahead and get out of the way tonight. The adrenaline's flowing, all of the content's out there. Chris Gehring was just saying that we're killing it on social media. Meek Mill loved our opening video. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to our productions crew uh, that worked on it. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about how it turned out. Really excited about how the game turned out, guys. The Wizards beat the 76ers 120 to 115 in our first home opener in like a million years. It's been crazy how long it's been since the Wizards actually opened the season at home. Uh, guys, let's just jump right into it. Maybe your best observation from the game, what impressed you the most. Jeremy's still working on social media right now on his phone, as he always is. Chris Gary, go ahead, jump in there. Yeah, I mean, we, we're, we're hyped after this game. I mean, first of all, like you said, to the whole crew that put this night together, the LED, the LED bracelets, the open video, the intros, the electricity in the crowd was, was awesome. You could tell that fans were ready for this game. We talked about it all the way up to this game, how excited fans were about this upcoming season. Yeah. And that showed tonight. People people came out. The crowd was into it. Obviously, we had plenty of visitors from, from Philadelphia. But our, you know, the, our, the D.C. family that we've been pumping all offseason, um, they we came trust out. In our they process. really came out. Yeah, they, re- <laughs> they really came out. And it was really awesome to hear them get really loud at the end of the game. And yeah. from, from a standpoint of the actual game – I think, you know, Coach Brooks would tell you, and he said as much after the game that, you know, there's execution, there's communication that they need to iron out, and they need to they need to get down, and obviously they're going to be more critical of themselves than, than anybody else. But, I mean, you know, it was just it was just awesome. They were when they got out in transition, we saw once again how dangerous this team is in transition. They're an explosive team. It was basically a dunk contest there for a little while in the yeah. second half. Um, this team showcased all the reasons that they are, or they are the real deal in the East. They are going to be able to push teams, and you know where that takes where that takes the Wizards as we get deep into the year. Who knows? It's 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 game one, but it it was a um it was an exciting night. Is it's so it's so great to start the season at home and not have to be on the road. And I think tonight was a product of that too. I think, I mean, when Jason Smith went down in the first quarter, you know, he might not be the team's most important or best player, but when you're yeah. already missing Keith Morris and someone's filling in to start for him, I think your immediate reaction is, oh, man, it's on, you know, yep. only a few of us to make this happen. But instead, Kelly Oubre Jr. probably had one of his best games of his NBA career, 14 points, 8 rebounds, but it really wasn't about his stats. I mean, he just on the court looked like he belonged and it's not that he he hasn't in the past but he's grown up so much and matured his game to a point of being a 
a relatively solid NBA player at this point with obvious room to still grow. Jody Meek stepped in in his first Wizards game, 14 points. I thought, you know, Gortat out of maybe anyone may have had the most complete game on both ends. Actually finished with three block shots. He won the matchup with Embiid down low. I mean, and Embiid played... He was supposed to play 18 minutes or so. He played 27. He had 18 and 13, but he he really didn't dominate as much as you would expect him to. Um, usually his plus minus is like ridiculous, and I know that's yeah. not the best stat, but it was only plus one. Gortat was plus 16. Yep. 16 points, 17 rebounds, five offensive rebounds. The lineup when Ubre went in the game, when Smith was out, with that lineup was just amazing tonight. Um Kudos, of course, to John Wall, Bradley Beal. They both scored 25-plus. Wall had some incredible dunks, um, some great defense as well. The only thing that they, they said postgame, the, the three-point defense was really bad, but you got to mm-hmm. give it to the Sixers. Reddick and uh, Covington hit some really nice threes. Uh, Covington had seven threes, which is you know something you got to work on, but we were just looking at the game log. He, he hit a 33-foot three-pointer late in the game, like, you're going to let anybody take a 33-foot yeah. three-pointer besides yeah. Steph Curry probably. So, I mean, overall, I think you have to be impressed with how the Wizards played against a team that there was not a lot of film on a guy like Ben Simmons, who looked great, by the way, Markel Fultz, uh, Joel Embiid. Um, so I think they, they showed, the Wizards showed that they were ready for a matchup where they could, you know, they could prepare all season, all offseason for it, but in the end, they could only do so much to get ready for these guys. And the, again, the way they reacted to Smith going down, I thought was impressive. Shout out to my man Shalape who said that Joel and B would have a better game than Gortat. I said nope, and, then, and that was before the game. Oh, oh yeah, call him out. That was call him before out. the game. Wow. I said nope. Watch, watch Gortat is gonna gonna yep. do some work and represent. Margin Gortat steps up. He, he steps up mm-hmm. to the challenge, especially when it's his man. When it's one-on-one <laughs> and he knows that he has a battle all night. Um, he talked about it last year when he when he came into the league and he had to face Dwight Howard and practice yeah. every single day. Yeah, He said how much that really shaped his attitude when he has to go one-on-one with extremely talented bigs. You know, he, he really steps up to the challenge, and I know that, you know, he is not regarded as like, you know, the super uber talented, you know, the unicorn that Joel Embiid is, but his veteran presence showed tonight. Jeremy, very, where to begin? I mean, (laughs) where to continue? What a fun game, a fun, fun atmosphere, a fun all around game. You know, not the, maybe not the prettiest in terms of Mm -hmm. execution, but that was about as fun of a home opener as you will get for this Wizards team. It was sort of, I thought maybe, you know, when we look at the, when this season's over and we put together our highlight tape, yeah. we might we might take four or five plays from tonight's game in the season-long yeah. high. Like, that's how good it was. Yeah. Some of those dunks, John's dunk early, that left-handed one. Um, the alley-oop The, the Kelly Oubre put-back Kelly, slam yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Brad's alley-oop. Uh, Gortat's, uh, you know, that hammer dunk with and then he pulled the hammer out oh, yeah. i love when he pulls pulled the, the hammer, hammer out. out that's that's when you know gortat's fired up when he <laughs> brings the hammer out you know you got him inspired and then he you know chest bumped with john wall i don't remember how many times i've, I've never seen, seen that, that before was, that that, i mean it was fun like that and i was like like we just talked to kelly Ubre in the locker room and he said he blacked out during that uh, when he dunked it, it yeah. was in God's hands. But I feel like I was like blacked out for so much of that game. It was just like such a whirlwind of a game. 
And, you know, it's the first game. You're trying to make sure everything's right. Yeah. You're watching every – trying to, you know – Working, watching. I need to probably go rewatch the game, which I do a lot after you know watch it on TVs because I miss a lot you know while I'm trying to do everything. Yeah, but um, but that's also great. interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Continue. I was gonna say because you know talking about the fact that this was the first time realistically that they didn't start the season at home since 2011. That really means that John hasn't started at home since his. Uh, second year in the league. Year. Bradley Beal year. never did. Otto never right. did. So all of these guys are, or the guys that we consider to be some of the vets who've been with this team for a while, this was their first experience of what is it like to actually start a game at home, start a season at home. Excuse yeah, me. and Beal said after the game in the locker room, he said that was probably the best home opener he's ever been a part of. And it, it, I'd agree with that. I mean, yeah. I've been here for every one of his home openers, and I think that's certainly fair. A fair statement. I mean, you could just feel the atmosphere was from that light show or, you know, to get everything going. Yeah. That was awesome. Like that. Picks mobs were great. I mean, the, the for, for those of you listen to our pod, uh, all of the fans received a bracelet that would change between the colors red, white and blue. Yeah. With the music of our opening video that we yep. put out. Uh, it was just amazing to see. I was sitting on the sixth level so I could see that full wide shot in. We were using our cameras to get it for the yeah. recap that you'll see uh, when this podcast comes out. But uh, it yeah. just looked beautiful from afar. It was it was awesome to see. It was awesome from my seat. I love seeing the you know all the different camera angles and the views from above. Like you said, it was yeah. that. I, and you could hear the crowd like you could when they because they didn't know when it was coming. Yeah. You knew everyone had uh -huh. it. But, you know, the first time we saw it was during the anthem. That was an amazing thing and to see. It as soon the anthem. as. Yeah. Like when they and, said red. They all went oh, red. Yeah. Oh, and my the Rockets, gosh. Red glare. And yeah, I know so that cool. they had to tell the singer, the anthem singer to be ready for some for basically to be ready for that because you know while you're singing you kind of takes you back to hear these oohs yeah. and ahs yeah. but it was cool and it was cool it just certainly added to the atmosphere and then i heard them during the, the intro video when the lights were going you could hear the crowd react to the lights yeah, yeah. which yeah. is uh, shout uh, out to lauren trusty who picked who asked to get the picks mob here yeah uh, she's new to the game ops department we'll yeah. get her on the pod one day talk yeah. about what it's like uh, for game ops. Uh, but thumbs i mean huge thumb two thumbs up three thumbs up however many thumbs you have put them <laughs> man up. got a lot of thumbs it was it was <laughs> outstanding that i thought the lights the whole game were great but the, you know the, during the intros i just thought that set the mood it set the whole the atmosphere for the game and then yeah you know we jumped right into the game, and it was such a fun game. Yeah. In being a fun game, uh, looking ahead at Detroit, mentioned the three-point defense, is there any other thing that you feel like this team needs to work on? Or this was literally, because it's the first game, hey, we're just kind of working out the cobwebs. They're good to go. They look solid. And especially as much as I hate to bring it up, what happened yesterday with Boston, which you know no one wants that to happen to any player, but it happened to Gordon Hayward. You know, Charles Barkley immediately at the halftime of that game on TNT was like, well, that pumps up the Wizards to that next spot right below Cleveland. And I feel like, you know, maybe there's some added pressure for this team coming into this. I think there this. is now. Yeah? I think, unfortunately, that's what it took for people to be like, oh, yeah. Reminder, the Wizards are right on the Celtics' heel. Yeah. But at the same time, I think the Wizards are still going to be seen as this underdog to Cleveland to begin with, and they'll thrive with that title yeah. As they always do with John leading the pack on that. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to, to Detroit. 
I think it's going to be another tough game. I mean, we talked about Detroit on the previous podcast about they could be a little bit of a sleeper. We've got mm-hmm. a familiar foe with Avery Bradley. Um, but I think it's really important, you know, we hate to say early in the season you got to win these games, but it's, it's an yeah. important game before you head out west. We were joking before this, all the questions after Friday, if there's a win is, are you ready to go out west? It's weird <laughs> yeah. to go out west so early in the season. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I and think – talk about that here today too. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's it's kind of an important game before they head for this four-gamer, especially after last season's start. Mm-hmm. And in terms of other kinks, besides that three-point defense, you know, I thought they looked really good. Didn't turn the ball over a lot. You know, the bench looked – as they hadn't played a lot together, which is true because Tim Frazier was out a lot of the preseason, and yeah. I think that'll be fixed. I think that unit, depending on what's going on with Jason Smith, it doesn't sound like he's going to play Friday. 41 points off the bench for the Wizards. Yeah, pretty yeah. solid. But if Kelly yeah. Oubre is going to run with those starters, does Satterancy get a chance to go with that second unit, maybe add a little bit more playmaking? Mm-hmm. I mean, Tim Frazier still had five assists, and I, I really thought he looked good. It was just defensively they weren't sync together yeah. even with a great rim protector and Mahinmi and some really skilled defensive players so yeah I think if anything the starters who are obviously the the focal point of this team looked really good Otto we haven't mentioned but he played a really solid all-around game he, he started he scored all eight points to begin the game yeah um but yeah no I think considering everything like we said it was a it was a pretty good start and Detroit should be another good test yeah spe- sorry go ahead Chris because I was just gonna say they outscored the Sixers bench 41 to 25, but like you're talking about the starters play well, the reserves are learning to play together because they've never been a, been a team together. Yeah, right. No question. But, but like Zach said, you know, the good thing, the encouraging thing is that they all had their moments. I, I guess I was going to say quickly, if you wanted to nitpick one more thing, there was a little let up and with maybe like two minutes left in the game, the wizards were up by, I want to say seven, five or seven or so. Yeah. yeah. And you know, they, they, they let, the game get back down to like a one possession game with about mm-hmm. two minutes left a little under um and i know that that's an execution thing that obviously they'll look at and i, I know that scott brooks mentioned it in his post game um so and i know that bradley bill mentioned in the crowd that he apologized for uh, for that free throw but you know <laughs> those are the kind of things that that they will that they will get ironed out and um for those who want a little bit of a preview pistons were winners by 12 tonight um at home 27 points, 10 rebounds for Tobias Harris. Um, wow. Avery Bradley, 15 points. Lexington Galloway, 16 points. So there's guys on that team that that are going to pose some pose some issues. Tobias Harris is a really dynamic player. Yeah. I think that he's somebody that I think he's easily overlooked in this league. That there mm-hmm. are so many stars. Tobias Harris is really really good. And then obviously we know about Andre Drummond and and kind of the, the issues that he can pose. But mm-hmm. like we talked about, that's that's the kind of thing that you know Marchin will. Marching Gortat will step up to that task as well. I think he'll be ready for it, and we'll see how we'll see how we play against a, a Detroit team that, as we talked about in our preview, I think will surprise some people as the season goes on. I think their body of work will be will be fairly impressive. I think compared to some expectations, but what didn't surprise me is that the Wizards won. But more that the crowd still gets so excited when they get free Chick Fil A. Hey Thanks, man. Philly. Ben, ben Simmons. Back. Ben back. Simmons is a good candidate for that. Too. <laughs> that speaking of free throws, the Wizards got to the line thirty-eight times, and I thought that was like a big part of this game. They they missed a lot of free throws down the stretch, like mm-hmm. we said. But still, thirty-eight times. How many times last year did they get there? That many. That many shots. I think it's you know it's a we talked about with Carol Lawson, who will be on this podcast later. We talked about free throws and being a key. I think they're getting gaining more respect this season, and also just like 
you could notice John and Brad were just attacking the rim. Mm-hmm. John was getting denied a lot at the rim in the first half. Then he kind of figured it out how to yeah. draw a finish. You got to go to the rim like you're going to score. Don't go there like you're trying to get fouled. 19 more free throw attempts than yeah. Philly. It's yeah. exciting. Jeremy, any last thoughts on looking ahead to Detroit? Preview for Detroit? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if Friday night's game is as as exciting as uh, the home opener was, I'll be I'll be in in uh, in for it. That's for sure. Friday um, night. Just I mean, I haven't even started looking over Detroit's stuff yet. We've already talked about some of their new players. Could definitely be a playoff team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, always well coached with Stan in charge. So uh, probably another good game. I mean, the Wizards will be favored. That's a team that you know, like most teams in the East, the Wizards are going to be favored at home against. Uh, you want to take care of business, start the season two and zero, and then hit the road for four. So, yeah, um, I'll be I'll be in tune Friday night, seven o'clock, Capital One Arena. Yeah, uh, the Vault. Yeah, yeah. As my, Beal and Wall want to call Donuts it, Dunkin' Donuts Coffee, my <laughs> McDonald's French fries, my Chick Fil A, Chick Fil A. Papa John's. Papa, Papa John's. John's. Papa yeah, John's. Papa pizza. John's on Thursday night. Can I shout out any other sponsors on here? I think that was uh, good. That's about that it. might be it. That's yeah. good. This is why. But I'm, I've been using the hashtag for for my observations. Uh, I don't. I say this is why we watch. I know that the NBA is this, this is, is why, why we, we play. play. Yeah. But this is why we watch, and we're watching the highlights right now in my office of a great game and a team that I, that I know we're all looking forward to seeing what they're going to do this year. DC family is fully behind them. It'll be exciting. And uh, another person we're excited that we got on the pod, Kara Lawson, the new Definitely. color analyst for NBC Sports Washington, joins us on the pod on the other side of the break. Hope you enjoyed a little recap of the home opener for the Washington Wizards as they defeat the Philadelphia 76ers 120-115. to Kara Lawson on the other side of the break. And this is a live read. Monumental Sports Network is a new streaming service for D.C. sports. Watch live games, exclusive shows, and attend VIP events. Start your free trial at GetMonumental.com. What's up, Wiz kids, and welcome to Off the Bench. Jamoke Davis here with Jeremy Hyman and Zach Rosen. And joining us now is Kara Lawson, the new NBC Sports Washington color analyst for that's, Washington that's Wizards a, That's games. a mouthful, huh? NBC Sports Washington. It is, it is. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's, really? uh, it's exciting because we're on the cusp of the season. It's finally here and, uh, you know, one of the most anticipated, as you guys know, having been around the team. Um, you know, the, the last few seasons, this is one of the most anticipated wizard seasons in a long, long time. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. I'm trying not to get excited. And if I can, can digress for a moment, it reminds me of how my brothers, they get so excited for every sports team's season in Washington. Because obviously we, we try to support all of the sports. They're like, man, the, the Wizards one is like the first time in a long time where they really are like, hey, we can get to the Eastern Conference Finals or beyond so mm-hmm. yeah this is this is going to be a huge season and you're jumping right in uh just talk about your level of comfortability and why uh you decided to take this step we know that you've done a lot with espn in the past you've been there for a long time you've been playing the game uh for the mystics as well as other teams at WNBA, and now to 
come back home, so to speak, right? This is this is home for you. How exciting is that? Well, I've I've had a great passion for the NBA for a long time since I was a kid. Uh, you know, growing up here in this area, uh, my dad used to take me to games at Cap Center to watch watch the Bullets play, um, and you know, cheered for all the teams. Just like you know, you you mentioned your family. My family is the same way, cheering for all the teams here in the DC area. Uh, and then when I got uh, graduated from college and started in broadcasting. Uh, although my first job was with ESPN and, and I worked w- with them and will continue to work with them. Uh, my first NBA experience was working with the Sacramento Kings mm-hmm. and I did the local telecast for them. Uh, I was the uh, pregame halftime and postgame show analyst. And that was really where I fell in love with the NBA as far as like being on a Tuesday night watching Orlando versus Indiana play, you know, and you're, and you're into it. Right. Um, because when you follow a team night in and night out and you get to know the guys and you get to know the coaching staff and you're invested in the season and the day-to-day grind of the season, cause it's a grind. I mean, 82 games, mm-hmm. it really is a grind. And so when I did that and I was doing 75 and 76 and 77 broadcasts a season, uh, that was where I really got into it. And I learned so much about the NBA game from just watching it. And, of course, that was in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, – just past the 2001-2002 heartbreak for the Kings. But you're talking Lakers. about Chris Webber and Mike Bibby and Doug Christie and Peja Stojakovic and Vladi Divac and Bobby Jackson. I mean, I can go on and on and on about the mm-hmm. guys on this team, how talented they were, how beautiful the game was to yeah. watch, how crisp the passing was and all, you know, all, all these things. And, you know, people talk about all, all the great offense, you know, now. And, and there was that back then. I yeah. mean, those guys yeah. were just playing at a different level. They're on a different plane. And so to have a front row seat to that every <laughs> single night, um, it was it was phenomenal. So that was where I started to really uh, get a taste for NBA basketball, to learn the vocabulary, to learn the schemes, uh, to learn what was happening out there. Uh, and ever since that, I did that for three and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. I uh, always had a goal in the back of my mind that you know if an opportunity ever became available to do the games for a local team remember because I was doing the studio yeah to do a games for a local team man I jump all over that I always thought I'll be honest I always thought that opportunity would come for me in Sacramento <laughs> yeah, just because yeah. that's where I started that's where I played uh most of my WNBA mm-hmm. career and uh it's where the audience knows me they knew me you know they knew me as a player they knew me as a broadcaster so I always thought that 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 you know, that would be so, you know, I'll just have to kind of monitor the Sacramento situation if the job ever becomes available, you know, it's something I definitely come out, come after. And lo and behold, this opportunity for me comes about and here in Washington. And, yeah. you know, there's only 30 of these jobs and there's only one that feels like this to me because it is home. So yeah. I'm thrilled that, that it happened here and I and, uh, can't wait to get started. Well, we're thrilled to have you here. We've gotten to know you, of course, with, you know, playing with the Mystics. So some of us have a you know prior relationship with you. But I, I was just so thrilled when I heard that you were officially, you know, coming on board just to know that I got to, you know, I get to know you as a person and I've heard you as a broadcaster. And it's just so I remember I was texting Ketsia, who does Mystics PR, yeah. when Kara was calling a Syracuse game because, you know, I'm a big Syracuse guy. <laughs> I don't so know if people know that. Clemson, why, why uh, yeah, who he already did. Clemson last Friday night <laughs> on Tuesday's podcast. But I heard Kara calling, you know, doing 
uh, caller for a Syracuse game up at the Dome, and I was listening to her stuff, and I, and I was like, she like I watch all the Syracuse games because I'm a fan, but I was listening to her, and they were it was like she I couldn't believe like the background knowledge, you know, the research, knowing like yeah. you know it's like our you know seventh eighth guys, like she knew she knew everything about. It. I was like, yeah. well, this is unbelievable. Like I, I and I'm not just saying this just because I you know because she's here and she's with us now. I remember telling Ketsy, I was like, Kara is unbelievable at doing these games. It's like, I just couldn't, uh, you know, not that I didn't think you could, you know, perform at that doing it. I was just like, so kind of, um, you know, I, I, I like to break down like how everyone calls games, mm-hmm. not, you know, but because I knew Kara, I was like, wow, she is great at this. Like this is, so when I heard she was coming here, I just wanted to share that, that it was just so, uh, exciting for us. And I'm, I'm just happy to have you here. Um, if you could, if we could talk a little Wizards now, jumping into uh, the Wizards season, what what excites you and what are sort of your expectations for this team as we get get started here on Wednesday night? Well, one of the things that you always try to do, I think, at the start of the season is, is have a big picture view of, you know, what do I think this team can be? And I think most people uh, think that this team can get to the conference finals, mm-hmm. has the ability to do that. I'm certainly one of one of those people. Now, uh, when you when you look at the Eastern Conference and it, its its composition, uh, the two teams that people seem to think are are top in terms of talent is Cleveland and Boston. And so, just looking at it, you'd have to beat one of those teams mm-hmm. in order to get to the conference finals, which is not going to be easy. But I, th- I think it's definitely doable for this group. So I start with that and saying I think conference finals is a realistic expectation uh, for them to get there. Uh, when I when I come here and I try to come watch practice as much as I can, um, not just because it's my first year, uh, because obviously I know who all the players are. Yeah. I know the coaching staff. I, I, I've, see, I've seen them play before. I've done their games before for ESPN Radio in the playoffs, did the first two games of the, of the Celtics series last year. Mm-hmm. So it, it's more of trying to get to know them more, uh, their personalities, uh, and, and not necessarily by talking to them all the time, but just observing in practice. And it's just so interesting to see how, they, how different guys compete on a daily basis and what kind of practice players that they are and how they respond to a bad practice or a good practice and all of those things. And, and so I think when you cover a team um, and you can kind of get to know the guys on that level by seeing them on a day-to-day basis, now you have a better picture of kind of what's going on out there and you can fill in that color when you're doing the game of saying, hey, this is what's happening. This is, you know, maybe a guy is banged up Maybe a guy's had a, a few good practices in a row that's a bench player, and now he gets in the game. And, and everyone at home's like, wow, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. And I'm able to say, the last, the last week in practice, he's been, he's been yeah. lighting it up. Yeah. And so you can bring context now to the and, – and I think that's, that's what our job is. That's what our job is, is, is to bring context to the plays, the schemes, the players, and what's happening out on the floor. But um, to go back to your, to your question – sorry, I got a little off track there. No, that's um, good. Uh, I think conference finals is a realistic expectation. Um, every team obviously hopes for good health. Mm-hmm. Um, if this team is able to have that, I think the bench is better uh, this year 
than or I should say I think it will perform better this year uh, than, it, than it did a season ago and um, I, I've been really encouraged from what I've seen from from those guys um, particularly in practice not even necessarily the preseason but uh, Jody's been pretty consistent in terms of practice Tim Frazier's been very consistent I know we, we didn't see him a ton in the preseason yeah but he's been a very consistent practice player for them Jason's shooting the ball very well that's what they need him to do having Jan out there and available hopefully available for as yeah. many games yeah. as possible that helps change things and then and Kelly Kelly Oubre, uh, he's a guy that um, has has grown and his consistency is getting better and better. So for this team, I think the bench remains an important piece when you're talking about an 82-game season. And then when you get in the playoffs, um, you know, you have a backcourt like John and Brad. And I think you have to feel really good about that backcourt against every other team in the Eastern Conference. Um, again, not to say they're the best team in the Eastern Conference right now, although John and Brad will tell you that they are, and they I are. love that. Yes. I love that about them because <laughs> you, you never get to be the best unless you think you are. So mm-hmm. that doesn't bother me one bit that they, that they feel that. They should feel that. Um, but you look at the other backcourts in the Eastern Conference, and I think Washington's is the best. And so that, um, that, that gives me a, a great deal of, of, optimism, of optimism entering the season. You mentioned John and Brad. And, you know, a lot of role players, someone you, you didn't mention, not by choice, but Otto is entering a season of, you know, more pressure. Not that he's feeling it as much because we've come to notice he's the same guy. I mean, nothing's going to change with him personally. But what? how, how are the Wizards going to use Otto this season differently than maybe they had in his first, you know, four years here? Well, I think – with Otto, um, he, he year after year he starts to gain more and more respect from from the guys, uh, especially from John and Brad. And Otto's a different type of player in the sense that John and Brad um, need the ball more than more than Otto does in terms of getting shots and everything. Like that of course John being the point guard, he's going to have the basketball in his hands. But mm-hmm, sure. Otto tends to be a guy that can cut from the weak side or backdoor cut or slither in and um, you, you know do, do different types of things where he's not having to just pound, 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 shoot. And so he, to me, is, an, is the perfect match to what John and Brad do because if you were to have three guys that all need to score, like John needs to score, like Brad needs to score, then it becomes a little bit more difficult. I think as the trust is is higher and higher with John and Brad, they, they'll look for him more. They'll, they'll try and give him more opportunities. And I think the thing that Otto needs to – there's a couple of things, and I said this in a preseason, I think that Otto really, really needs to focus on. One is offensive rebounding because at his size, with his length, and he's continuing to get stronger and stronger. He's never going to be a, a, a big guy, but he's continuing to get stronger and stronger. Those are ways – to, to have an impact with scoring and with second-chance opportunities. You can do that every night. And so I think rebounding, he can take another jump this year. And then the second piece I think that's going to be really important for Otto as the season goes along is getting to the free-throw line for the same reasons, right? Like attacking, slashing a little bit more. We saw last year, top five in the, in the NBA in three-point percentage. We know he can knock down a three-point shot. Yeah. But using that frame, getting to the rim, and now getting to the free-throw line. So if he can get two, three offensive rebounds a game, and now he gets – five, six free throw attempts a game, all of a sudden, Otto's maybe from 15 points a game to 18 or 19 points a game, and that changes. That changes everything, right? I mean, that changes how we look at guys. If you just look at a say and say, oh, he's averaging 15 or he's averaging 20. You know, mm-hmm. perception yeah. of a guy is totally different in this league. I think getting to the line is yeah. interesting. Like, I feel like last year, Brad and John got to the line a lot more. Otto, too, but if as that respect grows from, you know, not just the opposing team, the refs and everything – 
if this team can get to the line, they could, you know, average like 115 a game. Yeah. So, like, and I think you, you need at least three of the guys averaging yeah. close to about 20 points per game to really feel like, okay, we yeah. have a chance to get to that Eastern Conference Finals. Putting your player hat back on, so to speak. You know, we've been hearing that one word that we joke about, continuity. Yeah. How many times is somebody going to talk about continuity? You have changes in Boston and Cleveland. Are we making too much of a big deal out of those changes or it doesn't take long for a team to be able to integrate new players where the flip side of that for the Wizards we have most of the same players so are we resting more because we have that confidence of oh most of the team is back again the most important thing in this league is talent talent over everything right (laughs) I mean you can throw continuity you can throw I mean you can throw to me most of that out the window. It's talent over everything in this league. So the way I look at it is the continuity might help the Wizards uh, in the regular season in terms of maybe it does take Boston three, four months to get their stuff together. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going to happen with those guys. But by May and by, by April and May, the Celtics are going to be <laughs> they're going to be good. There's yeah. just too much talent on that roster for mm-hmm. the, for that not to be the case. Um, with that said, the, the the kind of nuanced stuff we're talking about with Otto, that we don't get to that level here in Washington. You don't get to that level in Washington unless you have the continuity. Yeah. So there's certain improvements that are going to be that are going to happen for this team that 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 don't happen unless it's Otto, John, and Brad's fourth year together. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a mix of both to answer your question, but it's still a talent over everything league. I mean, that's why Sam Presti did what he did in Oklahoma City. That's yeah. why Houston, that's why Daryl Morey did what he did in Houston. It's talent over everything. Talent yeah. over everything. We talked about that a little bit on our season preview pod, and Kara did a much better job explaining <laughs> what I was trying to say. That, you know, because I, I said – you know, because when people were saying, you know, Keith's going to be out for the Wizards. Family over everything. Yes, FOE. <laughs> FOE. But, you know, Keith's going to be out and whether that's going to hurt the Wizards' continuity early in the season. I just think that's not a storyline that, that I'm really buying into as far as, you know, that's going to be detrimental to this team early. Um, but but in terms of just that, you need good players. Good players win in this league. And that's what, and you know, the top, we know who the top teams are going to be in the East and I think uh, I mean I'm I'm on board with that. I think that's yeah. that's a fair point. If I could just put the broadcasting hat back, <laughs> um, how much have you gotten to talk with your new partner Buck? Do you need any tips from us? Because you know we've we know we know <laughs> Buck pretty well. We've traveled with him. He has some specific travel he uh, does. The restaurants travel. especially <laughs> yes he's a big restaurant guy so i just am curious your relationship with buck and then if you have any questions for us maybe we could we could help you out a little yeah i've heard i've heard a lot of a lot of things about <laughs> buck and his travel so here's kind of my philosophy with that my philosophy is to stay away from all of the drama as much as possible on the road. So I will be either like the first person or the last person in line for okay. to get everything. So I'll stay away okay, from okay. all that. Uh, I am a vegan. Okay. So I will not be partaking in, in any of the restaurants, any of the restaurants or steakhouses or anything <laughs> like that. So I'll here. be going off to kind of do my own thing and find you know the different restaurants that I like, and okay. I, I usually scope that out before. So we've got you know the West Coast road trip early in the season. Yep. So I already have my spots. Yeah, in Denver yeah. and L.A. and San Francisco, Sacramento, of course, I'm very familiar with. So. Um, yeah, as far as eating and all that, that's all scoped out. So I don't know that I need too many tips about okay. it because I don't really plan on being in that <laughs> in in that area when all that okay. stuff is Can going down. Can we share some some of the things uh, we know no. about? I've Buck? heard a lot. Oh, I don't know what stories could we share about Buck. I mean, we love Buck. We I do love, love Buck. Yeah. Okay, 
Um, the, the one that I will share that I remember from Buck is the only time I had to stay in the room next to his. I remember we both got to our door at the same time. He's like, hey, late at night, don't open your door loudly. Make sure you're very quiet <laughs> yep. with the door. Yep. I was no, like, okay. Yep. Slamming very quiet doors, with the door. No slamming, slamming doors. doors. We no had some really doors. good stories when we had Phil and we Buck on the podcast together. Yeah. together. <laughs> but, you know, those were between them. I think. The, the funny thing for Buck is just how specific he is about yeah. like these very random things. But I mean, from what we know, the broadcast booth is a, a sacred place. So and, those and issues the, won't come up as much. And the thing much. that yeah. makes that interesting is how do you adjust to that? Yeah. You know, Buck has been with Phil for so long. How do you find your rhythm with Buck in, in, in not just it being a good broadcast, but the two of you building a rapport as early as possible? I think it's similar to kind of, what we were talking about with what Boston will go through, you know, this year when you have new, new people together to use that analogy, Buck and I both know how to play basketball. Mm -hmm. We both know how to play good basketball. It's just a matter of figuring the nuances of each other's game out. One of the things I think that, uh, you know, will help, will help me is uh, working for ESPN the last 14 years, every game I had a new partner, Mm -hmm. every game I had a new producer and and a new director in the truck. So this is going to be different in a good way and that I'm working with the same guy night in and night out and the same producer and the same director and and, and the same people on the broadcast. So I think that it will come quickly just because of the amount of reps we're going to get in the first, in the first month of the season. Yeah. Uh, And we did two preseason games already. Uh, So Friday will not be our first, first game together. I thought they went well. And now you just kind of continue to explore different ways that, that you can make each other better and the broadcast can go. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think we'll be fine. Uh, that, that part doesn't worry me, me at all. Um, uh, but I do know it's going to take time before it feels like we're, we're mm-hmm. in the, gr- in, in a great groove. I hadn't thought of that before that the national broadcast, you, you are always changing your partners, yeah, you know, the that's production true. teams. Yeah. It's, that's yeah. a very good point. And, um, we're, obviously, we're looking forward to seeing it, you know, build up a new thing here in D.C. Well, it's all, but it's kind of weird, too, because I guess now that I don't travel as much, I guess now I can see the broadcast and hear you more. But normally I don't even I wouldn't even know what Buck and Phil yeah. were talking about or Dave and Glenn because I'm at the game, too. It's like you rarely get to see how how things shape out. Zach, were you going to ask something? Yeah, you mentioned doing some pregame and postgame maybe when we're not on the air with NBC Sports watching. What else uh, are they going to have you be doing? Any other fun stuff uh, throughout the season? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Um, I'll, be, I'll still do some work for ESPN, mm-hmm. uh, particularly around March, around the NCAA yeah. tournament. So uh, I, I know that there'll be some times when there are games – when there aren't games, when we have two days in between a game or three days in between a game uh, or a national, it's a national game and we're not working it. I might be at some school calling a, a, a women's college basketball game yeah. or doing an, M, a, an, an NBA game there. You know, it, it could, it, it'll depend on the schedule, depend on the wizard schedule. But, um, so I think that mostly will just be either out doing another game or yeah, you'll here be plenty busy game. either yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. What did, did it mean anything to you? I imagine it did. As a woman, when you look at the number of broadcasters, I feel like if I just went on the street and said, hey, do you know any female broadcasters? Maybe they'd say Doris Burke. But I feel like that's where it would end. Maybe, I can't remember her name, who does Major League Baseball now, Mendoza? Mm -hmm. Jessica Mendoza. Jessica Mendoza. But outside of that, that might be it. You know, what does it mean to you to be, you know, 
a still kind of a pioneer or is it a bad thing that it's still something where hey there aren't many women who know the game or are talented enough to be calling a game from a play-by-play or color standpoint when I started working in Sacramento there weren't any women calling NBA games at a national level at the local level there there weren't any so the fact that there has been some progress is great Uh, for me I've always focused on doing the job well because if you focus on that doing the job well then that's going to help you Uh, that's going to help people coming behind you um, have have opportunities or have greater opportunities than you so that's more of what I focus on uh, in doing and I was uh, really really pleased and thankful that Ted Leontis um, that Rebecca Schulte that they had uh, the confidence in me to do this because I've, I've gotten the, the female question a lot since I got the job. And the way I look at it is this. Uh, if I didn't get this job, I wouldn't be less of a broadcaster, right? I'm the same broadcaster, whether I got this job or didn't get this job. So it's not really a positive uh, indictment on my career. It's more of a positive indictment on the decisions made by people in power. Because the, the only way things change are when decision makers have the courage or the desire or whatever you want to call it, whatever adjective you want to you uh, put to that, to say, hey, this is, this is who we think is the best candidate for us. We don't really care that any other teams don't have a female or one other team has a female, or whatever the numbers are. This is the best move for us. And so the more decision, people with decision-making power uh, you know, ha- have those types of open minds, that's what affects change. Mm-hmm. You can have amazing female candidates, and there are amazing female candidates out there, but nothing happens unless someone's willing to say, yeah, this person, this person would be great for it. So the story to me should, should be applauding uh, both monumental and NBC Sports Washington mm-hmm. for um, you know giving me this opportunity. Um, I knew applying for it, and I, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but I knew I was good enough to do it. It wasn't. It wasn't like well, I hope they give well, it like to. Well, like you me. said, you have to believe you're the best to be right. the best. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I knew I was good enough. To, I, I knew I was qualified. I knew I was good enough to do it. I knew I was a, a fantastic candidate. All those things wouldn't have changed if I hadn't gotten the job. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I got the job, I think, speaks more to the people that that hired me. Cool. Yeah, no, that's that's. I think that's totally, totally a uh, fair point to make, and I think we're seeing now. You know, there's more and more. Like you said, when you you know, 15 years ago there weren't that many female mm-hmm. analysts doing the men's game, and now we see it more and more every year. And I I I get the sense now that, you know, we we it's becoming so so more it's much more normalized that it's not it's not going to be so much. Oh, there's a woman calling a game anymore. You know. Once you start talking basketball, you're just like, oh, like, you just start, you talk basketball, basketball. like, she knows basketball, like, you don't have to, at least from my perspective, I'm like, someone asked me the other day, like, do you, you know, because, like, we have female beat reporters and stuff, like, do they have to prove themselves more? And I think there are a, there is a majority, not a majority, but a lot of, a lot of sports fans who feel like, you know, females don't know the game like men do. And I, obviously, I think that's unfair. And I think sometimes they're looking to try to get, you know, to find moments, oh, they said something that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or, you know, they jump on them harder, and there's sort of a double standard there. But but because it's becoming so much more normalized now, and because there's so many more, and 
it's just like it's starting to become part of the sort of the sports scene, which is mm-hmm. why I was I'm a little, you know, the stuff with Cam the other week about the 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 female reporters and that yeah. stuff. It just it was not so much that it was a you know it was a dumb comment to make but it was like like why why are you picking now to talk about that like there's mm-hmm. so many females in the sports world now who cover it broadcasting jur- you know from a journalist beat writers be, yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just it's so it's part of the game now and it's I, and it's a great you know i think it's great for sports it's great you know we should all have the opportunity so um, that's just from my point of, that's my perspective on kind of seeing it seeing it come along now and I'm, like I said, I'm so thrilled to have Kara here with us. Um, is there anything, Kara, that, um, have there been any tips or advice specifically working here in D.C. that someone has given you, shared with you, or is there anything that you're sort of, maybe you don't, you're not, you're not so sure about, or you're, you're kind of waiting to see what's going to fall? I don't know if there's anything that sticks out for you. I think the, the thing that I haven't experienced yet is being a part of a team uh, for, the whole season as the game analyst yeah. mm-hmm. so going on the road every every road trip and just the rhythm and the routine of that uh, and so that that really is separate from the from the actual calling of the games yeah uh, but just traveling with the group okay where am I going to do this where do I find this how do I get to the arena just yeah. those types of logistical things that I'll just have to go through and I'm sure after the first road trip I'm kind of glad it's a long one that it is yeah. four games yeah. so by the end of that first road trip okay this is this is how it goes. Uh, th- those types of things are, are what um, – the, the home game logistics, I was able to get out because we did two preseason home games. So what's the best time for me to get to the arena yeah. You know, yeah, before the game? Yeah. What do I need to do? What are the things I need to do? Do I have time to actually have conversations with people? Or do I have to say, you know, hey, how's it going? It's good to see you. But then I've got to get up and do that. So yeah. there's all those types of things. How early do I want to get there? Do I want to see guys warming up? Do I want to talk to some of the coaches on the other team that I know? All those types of things I think I'll still be figuring out in the first month. Um, but other than that, um, other than finding vegan spots to eat on the road, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Okay, so from my days as a Mystic Sideline reporter, I remember, Kara, <laughs> you used to always carry your jug of water. Yeah, is a yeah. jug of water, is it going to make it on the road? I don't know. Well, sir, I have something different. Uh-oh. This is a podcast. So yeah, so you every, can't see. Oh. Everyone thinks it's white lightning. <laughs> the it's, not yeah, <laughs> it's not moonshine. It's not moonshine. I did go to school at Tennessee, but not moonshine, although it could probably, could probably get away. But uh, so I kind of trying to go away from plastic a little bit. Mm-hmm. So... Did the I think it's thirty two ounces mason jar, so I do that, and uh, that and I'm very excited. From what I hear, we can bring water on the plane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which you is obviously totally different oh, yeah. than. Com- can, so for me, right, yeah. that that's I was like I know that people are gonna be like that's a dumb thing to be excited about. I was <laughs> so excited. Oh, it's the little things <laughs> on the road. And I was like I can bring my water on the plane. This yeah, is fantastic. Yeah. I don't have to pour it out at the TSA and the, you know. Yeah. Yep. So that part of it made me really happy. So yeah, the mason jar is the new the new jug. Okay, new maybe, jug. maybe you can get more of the players on the team to drink a lot of water if they like out of the mason jar. Yeah. Out of the, <laughs> well, just start to carry their own uh, yeah. their trendsetter because I definitely I know. That Unfortunately, they, they have people like Naveen who will baby them, so <laughs> it's a little different, Jamal. <laughs> Sandwiches. Yeah. Naveen is awesome. Naveen, yeah. uh, well, thank you so much for for coming on with us, uh, Wizkids. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kara Lawson, and you will be sure to tune into NBC Sports Washington and hear Steve Buck 
Hance and Kara Lawson calling the Wizards games this and season. And Chris Miller. Be, and Chris Miller. Yes, and sorry, Chris Miller. Give me a shout out there. <laughs> uh, we look forward to being able to uh, see how well the team does and, and your new team does as well as you switch from CSN to NBC Sports Washington. So thank you for joining us. WizKids, hope you enjoyed it. Ciao for now. We want to remind you all that Monumental Sports Network is the new streaming service for all your D.C. sports. Watch live games, exclusive shows, and attend VIP events. You can start your free trial today at GetMonumental.com.